This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 792, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you who are washing their hands and wearing their masks, and here we are again. Pick of the Week, episode 792. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and this is my co-host, L. Josh Flanagan. Hello. Or, or you, all I, of just, my, I wanted to see which way you were going, that way or like L. Ron Hubbard. All of, my, <laughs> all of my pigeon Spanish flooded out of my head. I was like, gracias, no. Si, no. No. I still can't. Buenos dias. There we go. And you have no choice to start a cult. Then to start a cult. We are a fanboy. Every week we read a bunch of comics. One of us picks their favorite book called The Pick of the Week. We talk about that book, the other books from the week. We talk about the patron pick. We answer some listener mail if we have time. We often don't. We have fun, though. That's the most important thing. If we have fun, we're hoping you have fun. That's the, that's the idea. It's fun osmosis. That's right. And here's a spoiler warning. Exercise some caution. Now, this week, you know, last week, Josh, we had so many comics. We had to break out the bell. And the bell is always fun. I enjoyed the bell. You seem to enjoy the bell. The listeners seem to enjoy the bell. The person who was asleep at 7.30 while we recorded the show did not enjoy the bell. Oh. But this week, well, we had a very different week of comics than last week. That person's a listener. So, <laughs> I mean, that, that's a... It's a uh, paradox. Exactly. Called. So, like, yeah. as, a, as a listener, probably like, oh, this is great. As a person in the world, not as much. As a person so, living in the studio. I don't <laughs> think, air quote studio, <laughs> I don't think that I read enough books to even cover what we did in the Bell segment. It was a, it was a small week. At the end, was, I had uh, 15, 16 books, I think. I mean, not, mm-hmm. not nothing. Not like a, not, a small, not a super small week. It was, it was a low to mid-range week. Yeah, but it was it was a rough uh, it was a rough pick, and and I always like to uh, you know ca- qualify that that doesn't mean that the book I'm making pick of the week is a bad book or even is a bad book compared to bad books, or you know what I mean? Uh, no, but it was a week where I finished reading and I, I texted you. I was like, oof, good luck. Yeah, yeah, because it was yeah, there was a lot of things that were fine, you know, a lot of fine e- books. Yeah, there was yeah, but nothing like really great or interestingly bad it was just kind of like okay so i went through my books i I picked the ones out that i was going to read uh i read through everything and kind of gives me updates on where the patron pick is uh and i thought oh what's this book this the me you love in the dark and i uh completely missed it for some reason because it's by by scotty young and with art by jorge corona um who who i have particularly become to come to appreciate he was just on something well, they were in the Middle West together. Yeah, I know, but he was just on some Marvel or DC book, and I was like, oh, this dude, like, and I was happy about it. So it was really cool to see them back together, and uh, had it not been for the patron pick voting, I might have missed it, not because I didn't want to read it, I just I just glossed over it or skipped it, and I, I, it was the only book for me this week that really stood out that when I got to the end of it, I, I was like, no, not here. I really wanted to see what was going to come next. Uh, so what we have here is is a lady 
who is an artist and she has uh, she's achieved some success and it's time for her to now move on to her second act and uh, she got nothing she got nothing so she goes to some place in the Midwest um, where Scotty's from and uh, which was the last book also and uh, she rents a creepy house and she's gonna go in there and she's gonna make her art and as the real estate person is looking at the sheet and she's like I oh, wish you can go in there. It's like, why? It's like, oh, a lot of bad things have happened there. So we don't want to go in there. And the artist gets excited because they're, oh, if there's a ghost, maybe that'll help. Maybe that'll spark my creativity. And then she goes into the house and she listens to music and she drinks a lot of wine and she doesn't paint shit. And, <laughs> and she's talking to the ghost who has made no appearance. She's being uh, foolish about it. And basically, she, yeah. at some point, the ghost speaks to her. And she freaks out and runs out of the house uh, she's going through a personal crisis in her own life. You know, is she good enough? Can she do it? Blah, blah, blah. All these artist thoughts. And, you know, it's a book being done by professional artists. So it, it's artist insecurity. It's artist yeah. imposter syndrome. It's all the things. Yes. Can I replicate my previous success? Do I have any ideas? Was I one trick pony? Was yep. I one hit wonder? You know, all the things that all artists, that I basically every level go through. Yep. At some point or other. And, uh, I mean, I don't want to give the whole thing away, but here we are. You know, scares her, goes back in, and it is scrawled, I'm sorry, on the on the, the uh, canvas, canvas or whatever it yeah. is, the easel or whatever. Um, and that's kind of it. Then there's a, there's like a hint that more is to come, and the, and the book ends. Well, and the ghost's feet are there at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But either way, like the point being like, that's the cliffhanger. And because you know the book is called Me, You Love in the Dark – you know, that's a, there's a romantic element to it there, it seems like. And well, the, I think it's important. I mean, comic fans always drop the article, but it's, it's the me, which right. is very different than me. It's, it's, it implies there's a version of, you know, uh, this thing of the, or about me. There's, it's an important distinction. Yeah. The, um, the, the, the file name just didn't have it. So when I looked up to see it, that's what I said. Yeah. Um, Everyone in comics gets rid of the, the but, um, and, no, and that article is absolutely important. When I said it, I was like, that's not right. Um, but it but does imply is, you know, that there's is, some relationship this, coming. Oh, for sure. This is a five issue miniseries, so it's important to know the first. Um, they said it right. Off, they said it right off the top, which they don't normally do. Uh, so it's going to be a very short, self contained story. Whatever we're getting here, this is not going to be a 90, 90 issue epic about their love story. Um, beautiful, beautifully drawn. Uh, I, mean, I mean, this this old Victorian house, who they credit a three D modeler for the credits, David Stoll, uh, is gorgeous and. Um, you know, you can feel a lot of realness in the artist's struggle here. Draw something. Draw. I Draw. I know. think I need to give a lot of credit to... I don't... I don't <laughs> think there's a ton on the page in terms of script. There are lots of pages that don't have any dialogue at all. And it's very kind of process-oriented in a way. And she's talking to herself and she's alone in this house. And so much is done with the art in terms of telling the story, body language, uh, insert shots of, you know, a glass of wine. And you can see that it's not just, it's being poured. You can see like, as the liquid stream comes around the needle down on a record, the, the flow of, of, of a graphic image, which looks like speckled whiteout of the music coming out of it, which is sort of like a, like a worm slash piano key thing. It, it's, it's really graphic, and design heavy and successful in a cartooning form. And I think we uh, have seen uh, Jean-François Beaulieu 
uh, yeah. color a lot of stuff before, but I think the coloring in this was particularly nice. There's this golden light in certain places, you know, depending on what time of day it is. There's a purple light as the sun goes down, and that mm -hmm. indicates the passing of time, you know, from morning to night, and there's still nothing on that canvas. And, uh, you know, as you, as you flip through it, like, the fact is not a lot happens through the course of the issue. You learn about the person, but, you know... But they're still doing the showing and not telling even that. You're learning a lot from, from reading through the panels without them explaining anything to you. And even though it's right. not plot heavy, uh, it's, it's still compelling. And, and because of that, like at the end of it, like we were able to explain everything that happened to the issue in a couple of sentences, but it didn't feel like a waste of my time. And that's what a lot of times that does feel like. Um, but as I just keep going through, like every page from looking at it tells me when they are, what's going on, just for the color. The litter, the color is telling you, oh, it's a rainy day outside, it's morning, it's night, and you can get her mood from those things. Um, it, like from an artistic standpoint, it's, it's, a, it's a perfect book. It's very relatable for anyone who's ever created anything. Sure. You know, I mean, we always end up falling in <laughs> love, love with a ghost. That's just, that's just what happens. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's always like that moment where you just don't have anything and it's mm -hmm. not, you know, you have to force it sometimes. And, um, and I'm very curious to see what her backstory is. Yeah. You know, we get a little hint of it when she calls her, um, agent or the, the gallery owner, whoever mm -hmm. this guy is, um, who's a little bit flirty with her. I don't know who, what his relationship is. I don't know if he's gay. It's hard to tell. He, uh, well, they both, used, they both used to work at the coffee shop. So he quickly realigned to having money and put himself in, um, in a suit that is not terribly different than Marcellus Wallace. Um, right. In fact, those two earrings, I think he's dressed exactly like Marcellus Wallace, to be honest with you. Interesting. Um, and she's, you know, she's in these baggy overalls and, and, you know, scrunched up hair and big glasses and, you know, sort of successful bohemian or homeless person. It could go either way. But again, right. all of that is communicated in, in the art. Yep. None of that is said. So I'm going to assume that there's a script that lays a lot of this stuff out, or at least that there's, that's the conversation that's going on between the storytellers. Um, and you got to think that a person with sort of as much visual sense as Scotty Young, he's getting pulled two ways really as a writer because he knows that you want to give the artist as much freedom to do their thing as possible. It is generally my understanding about comic book artists that the less that is put in the descriptions and the more they get to work out on their own is the better. No, it's not always. It's not, not a thing. Yeah. But at the Everybody's same time, but Scotty's got both sides of that. And so sure. in my mind, he's working more closely with the artist, you know, to, to sort of like get to a consensus together. I don't know, making that up. But, uh, it works either way. Whatever the product is that comes out in the end uh, is is really impressive uh, on multiple fronts. So mm -hmm. yeah, I I really liked it, and I finished it. And I I don't think it was the last book I read. I want to say it was like second to last or something like that. And I just went, oh, thank God, <laughs> you know. But it takes a second. You're like, wait, was that good? And then what I do is I you know I'm like, oh, I liked that. I enjoyed it. That's my first instinct. I enjoyed it. Then the next the next thought is. Is it good? Because good and enjoyed are different things, and sometimes you have to balance those. And I went, yeah, I think it was good. And then I thought, well, what can I say about it? And so I flipped through it, and I go, I have plenty of things to say about it. You know, and that, that's, 
that's the magic. And and really, no one was really close. It was a it was yeah. a it was a catch at the end, and thank goodness it happened. But also, just you know, I really I really look forward to Scotty's work now. I you know everything is is at the very least interesting. The visual sense is always strong in his books. Um, it's what you want out of comics. Yes. And before we get to the next book, I do I do want to say that for a while we've been saying you know, image doesn't have a lot going on. Yeah. But I looked you know I've been looking at my my reading list, my pull list, and I've had yeah, pretty steadily three to four to five image books in it, which it's, is a which is very different from a year ago. And and so while I think image doesn't have any home runs right now. I think they've got a lot of solid singles and doubles. Yeah, there is there is a handful of series that in the last year you and I have uh, have definitely gotten on board with and are reading regularly. Um, it's not on the list this week, but you know, Stillwater is a one that I always yeah. sort of look forward to. Um, you know, Scumbag, this book, uh, the next book we're going to talk about, uh, Geiger. Yeah, there, it's, just, it's just it's just there's nothing like like the industry's like, oh, you got to be reading this, but there's a lot of really solid books they're putting out. So it's it's not quite you know. The image of from the image revolution, which was a longer time ago than we like to think, but the second image revolution. I think all but, the books that I named are just done by mainstream folks. So yeah, they are. Those are the best people making comics. But yeah. uh, there, I'm reading enough books a week, and I, even next week, I think I looked and I have like three. You know, so there's there's I th- there's never less than that. It's there, there's 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 enough there that's good. Mm-hmm. Maybe not great, but good. And I think Geiger is one of those books. The good Geiger's Asian. Good. The good uh, Asian. Also, hey yeah. kids, comics. Those are all stuff from this week that I was. Those are all books I'm excited about reading. Yeah. And Geiger's one of them. Geiger number five. Jeff, Jeff Johns, Gary Frank, Brad Anderson, Rob Lee. Uh, this is the next issue is the final issue of the first arc. But you know, I don't love this book, but I like it. And I'm always interested to see what happens next in it. Is yeah, I'd say strange, that's the case. This strange post-apocalyptic again. That's what all the genres are here, but. Mm-hmm. Obviously not the one we just talked about, but a lot of the image books. As we learn more about the world, and I thought this was really interesting where the the main Geiger character, who is sort of a superhero in this post-apocalypse world, because it's Jeff Johns, uh, is rescued these two kids, one of them who they have the nuclear football from the Air Force One, and they, they get taken in by the, the remnants of the U.S. Army, taken to a base. And while they go to check out this Geiger guy and experiment on him, they introduce the kids to the base world. And we learned that one of the kids has leukemia in very, very early stages, and he's not going to make it. So that's when it turns on a dime. We find out, well, they just jettison anybody with any kind of illness because they don't got time for that, and they don't got the supplies for that. So that it got dark. Cold math. It, yeah. I And so I liked it, but it was very – I was like, oh, shit. So it was, it was a nice little twist. There was a chance I, – I think this would have been the pick of the week if I hadn't read um, mm-hmm. the You Love in the Dark. Um, for a couple of reasons. One, can we just can we just give it up for Gary Frank? Yeah, because we always. we said some no no not that he draws great, but we said some things in the beginning that were like it's nice that it's on schedule now. Oh right, you're right. Boom oh, boom boom, right. clockwork five in a row. All right, great, right. all perfect. This next one's coming out. I have no reason to believe that they did not do the planning and they made it possible to come out regularly so we could keep track of it. And somebody is responsible for that, and it's great. And True. I, I want to. I want to. I want to give that respect. Two is, uh, you know, if you told me this was Jeff Johns, and I didn't know it, I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. 
I really like it's 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 I can see him in there now that it's there, but it's so different than all the DC stuff that I had read from him. And it's interesting and it's fully fleshed out and like he brought his skills to bear on this thing, but did a completely different thing. And I think that that is commendable as well. And I'm enjoying it. It isn't to say like, you know, you did a very good job at this technically. Like I I do like it, but I find that impressive. Like, like it's a pivot uh, in a way that, that a lot of folks don't, aren't able to do. I mean, even Mm -hmm. Christ, any book that Bendis does, you're like, that's Bendis. You can tell it from a mile away. This has all of his strengths, but doesn't necessarily scream out, this is Jeff Johns. Which mm-hmm. I think in order to scream out Jeff Johns, it has to be a member of the Flash family. And you're like, oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> so that, that's, that's easier. Um, if you can't use DC characters, it's, I'm not going to sound like him. Um, well, the things we always said about Jeff Johns is, you know, <clears throat> he, is, he is sneakily dark at times, you know. Yeah. Uh, he, his reputation, especially, you know, 15 years ago, whatever it was, was, you know, the return to sort of, tr- you know, traditional DC, you know, happy and bright and great characterization. But there was always a bit of darkness. You know, I always go back to the spe- the Nazi speedster who ran through a kid in that one issue of JSA. You know, there's always been a little bit of that there. And so here, and this isn't like super dark, but the the, the discussion of it is, you know, we just rescued this kid. Well, he's got leukemia, so send him back out to the wasteland. That's dark. It may not be overtly, you know, br- brutal or grotesque, but it's it's that way at a human level. And uh, it was interesting to explore. Then, you know, the, <laughs> I like the scientists who are missing, who are looking at Geiger. What are these sticks? And it, he has, you know, the boron sticks or whatever Car- they are. Uh, carbon, carbon, inanimate carbon rod. Yeah, and they they he. He uses them both as like weapons, but when he's not in his hero mode of the glowing, you know, radioactive guy, he sticks them in the holes in his back like carbon rods do, and, and to to stop the, the process from happening. So they pull him out, and he becomes the, the hero. And it's just it was very well constructed, and I like this world, um, and it's fun. So much you know? of it is unexpected. Like it's really the. Issue twist, issue twist, issue twist, which is, you know, what I love about comics. You know, mm-hmm. I have a friend who was just talking to me about, you know, he's used to reading stuff in trades, and I always switch to issues. I love issues. I can't remember them now like I used to, but these are issue comics. You can read it the other way, but it's not losing anything in this form because that's how he, he approaches it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that pacing really works for me. I just love that, like, there's nothing predictable about this world. I remember the first part, you're like, oh, radioactive wasteland, guy glows, got a two-headed dog. Then you go over to some crazy, wacky supervillain in Vegas thing. Right. Completely unexpected. Yeah. And there's a, there's a lot to, if, I mean, I mean, there's just, there's just, there's just no way they're going to do like 50 issues on this, but they could with the amount of stuff he's, he's setting up here. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of meat on the bone. This week, we had what I think is the final issue of American Vampire, the American Vampire 1976, book 10. It seemed like the last issue of all of it. Yes. Yes. I, th- I didn't know you were reading this. I think I was. I, when the new series started, I was reading it. I might have dropped off, and then I kept forgetting if I had dropped off, so I would keep reading it. And so I know I read the last two, at least. I read most of this miniseries. If that I makes sense. In the middle. That's... The beginning, it was interesting. I got lost and bored in the middle. Um, the, the, the weird thing is, like American Vampire, which was 
basically Scott Snyder's coming out party. This is Scott Snyder, Raphael Albuquerque, the original team. Um, you know, he 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 started that book. To, Stephen King was a co-plotter in the beginning that was that got all the fanfare, and that led to him, you know, eventually going over to Detective, detective Comics and and off to the races. But I loved American Vampire. I have the first series all in hardcovers. Like I love that book. This book I read a really hard, really really hard time with, and I think it's possibly because I don't know. So it was five years in between series. It was a long it, time, if, if not I mean, more. I mean, one of the reasons I lost the thread of the series in general was that it was it got so convoluted. There were so many I couldn't keep track of it. And again, there I was a know. lot of backstory. There were so many different kind of vampires. There yeah. were so many different people who had been turned and. I couldn't remember the relationships or why things were important. Because, again, it's, it's been like five or six years or a long time it's since a, the no, last it's been, series came out. I mean, yeah, but like it's the whole thing started forever ago. I'd lost it well before the last series yeah. came out. And so. Oh, it was more I, than 10 years ago. When the I didn't started, even yeah. really know who I was supposed to be rooting for. Yes. Uh, I, even up through the end, like I, I, I don't fully understand what I'm supposed to feel about Skinner Sweet. And I think that's sort of the point, but. Hmm. Uh, and I don't know, and there was Pearl. I, I was like, oh, she was the actor from the 20s. That's literally as much as I remember. And I just I just lost the thread of everything. And so it, it's interesting because at the beginning of, I remember at the be, there was a, was there a Western one a while ago? Or was that the beginning yeah. of this one? Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah, there was a Western one. Um, yeah, that was uh, and, John Book. Right. Jim Book? John Book? Whatever. Jim and then whatever he's the book. big bad in this now? I don't know. Um, at the beginning of this issue, they're having a big fight in Vegas. There's a big monster in the middle, and they've got to poke his skin before it gets too hard and drip the special blood that Skinner has into him, and that's how they win the day. And during that one little bit, I was like, I know what is happening. Like, I have a clear <laughs> idea of the stakes and where we're at. And, and once I was grounded, I was really ready to get into it. And then the last third, it was like, all the different vampires are coming. And I was like, no, I don't know what any of this is. And again, I don't think this is the fault of the text. I think this is the fault of like, it's like getting a teaspoon of something four years ago and then being an ass to remember what it tastes like four years after that. Yeah. And I just, I, and, and I wasn't, I mean, obviously I didn't love it enough to go back and like <laughs> reread everything to catch up every time one came out. That's, that's not going to happen. So that said bummer i mean yeah i think the quality's here i think scott center's yeah. always done a good job with this world and these characters and i enjoyed this issue yes like you said i, 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 did I, too. I had an easier time find following it uh I, I had that in the beginning i liked it in the middle i got lost and then i liked the last couple this was good but after it was over i was like i i wish i loved that as much as i used to love this book i used to love this book yeah and, yeah i remember that but but it is what it is yeah time marches on but it's over. So the nice part is that I don't have to worry about another mini coming out and me going, "Do I should I finish this story?" Because I am compelled to finish the story. It was it, it like I like it like enough. Yeah, no, it totally did. Like I don't see how the you summation come. from Skinner. You know, he has been the main character in this whole thing. Um, the, the the formation of the vampire or whatever association. Uh, a uh, that that Pearl's running in the present day. A deal with Comicsology. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It just feels like it's over. So good. I'm glad it's over because it's a, it was an epic story. It's, it's like it's like ten trades worth. It's a not a, it's not nothing. He did a you know very epic vampire tale here, and it was good. I think that what, one thing that you do see is that this I don't know what do you call it where instead of 
you split up instead of doing one volume with the with the number anthology the whole thing. I guess, but you know, you could have done that in the old days, in the old Vertigo days, where this what this was when it started. You know, mm-hmm. Transmetropolitan one through sixty six. You know, Dad's Day. They could have gone all over the place, and and now we do little volumes and little things that are comprised of a bunch of mini series. But in the case well, of this one, it was one big story. And it should have yeah, been the original there. volumes are all volume one through yeah. whatever. I know, but it's I'm saying that, like I I think these stories, these kind of things, they should just make them one. Yeah, just make them one series. And I I know why they keep doing it, but it's this isn't like the kind of thing you could pick up in the middle. I mean, they, they, it was just American Vampire for years, and then yes. they stopped for a long time. So they had it's not like they're going to come back with American Vampire issue sixty seven because you know no one's going to buy it. So they did it. They did it with Fables. I know, but Fables fans are very particular. I think they thought these were the same fans. Either way, just, just it's it's a way of like now it, you have to really work to put together a whole mini series. I bet if you buy the trades, they say a number on them. I'm probably I'm sure they will. I'm sure this will you have know, you like, every six so volume twelve or whatever. It's 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 silly to make the issues fans work that hard for it. I guess is what I mean. I don't know. Justice League sixty six from Brian Michael Bendis and surprising guest artist Phil Hester. Right. I went yeah. on page two and I went, this looks awesome. Who, oh my God. Because <laughs> it was the guy who I thought someone was trying to look like. I go, right. this guy's trying to draw like Phil. It is Phil Hester. Because I, <laughs> I think what happened, I was looking at Ollie Queen and I went, hey, he looks great. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that follows. Yeah. Well, I, I, this, you know, Vendis' run at DC has been all over the map. There's been stuff we have loved, and a lot of stuff we have loved. We loved that the first year of Superman. We loved. I've been I've been really loving this Justice League book. Um, Half of it. Well, I don't really. You know, the backups are what they are. I don't really care about them. But well, I'm I'm saying you're paying whatever the cover price is, and 19 of the pages are awesome, and then the other part is just drudgery. Yeah. Well, that's every literally every backup story. I know that, but that shouldn't be that way. And I, I find it I find it frustrating. I think because I like that I like I like the idea comics should be like this, but I don't know I don't know who's into the second story. And I I don't mean to bag on it, but like I've what issue are we on here? I mean I don't know how many were into this, but like this one's been going on. This Merlin story's been going on a while, and mm-hmm. it's it's I was like cool a Merlin story, and it is so difficult to get a thread. I've read every one of them. And I got nothing. And I only say that because in contrast to the, I'm loving the Justice League part. I love yeah, how the, big it feels. So this book is almost acting like a clearance clearinghouse for all of his other books. So we have Naomi's on the team now. And this, this is it Sinmar? Sinmar, yep. Sinmar was a character introduced. Yeah. So it's, it's a dumb name. Uh, Sinmar was a character introduced. I don't mean Sinmar, but the whole name is dumb. Introduced in the Superman books, and I loved that story where there was somebody's gonna old... write in. My name is Sinmar. <laughs> Sorry, I like Sinmar. It's the whole name that's kind of dumb. The but, Sinmar um, Utopica. Yeah, I don't like that. I kind of like it. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of stupid sci-fi. Was a character who was introduced in a really terrific story in Superman, one of the Superman books, where the idea was there was a planet of people that were so scared of Superman from 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 afar. So far away that he had no idea they even existed, but they were aware of him and so scared of him that they basically created their own version of Superman because they assumed that eventually he'd come for them. I love the idea that it's like I, you know, it's the it's the Don Draper. I don't think about you at all situation. Like 
they're so obsessed with him. And he was like, I don't, I'm never, I don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. And so here, Sinmar's come to Earth and he's just destroying, you know, everything in the Justice League. I think this is this is fun. It's a fun concept, and and this, you know, the stakes the, the are high. Team, the stakes are high. The team is fun. Ollie and Dinah are great. Um, this this is also crossing over and checkmate. Like this is this is basically like Bendis' clearinghouse book mm-hmm. where everything is sort of intertwines. I think. Um, I think that. It's fun and it, it's really big. And it, it, this book, Checkmate, the other stuff, I just I feel like not for me, but I think it was like, oh, the time of these guys have passed in a way. The Bendis yeah. stuff, like it doesn't excite people. It excites you and I. We're from this yeah. era. It's like you know, it's like our dads would have gone to a Fog Hat concert and be like, this is great. That's us now with Bendis superhero comic books. Right. And you know, this might be it's one of the last. Not moving the needle. Yeah. This might be one of the last times that like a guy moves from the here to there that we grew up with and are familiar with, and it's like a big deal because this did not pan out at least in terms of the excitement. But in general, that's a thing. Like the names don't move the needles anymore, and fine. But you know, f- this feels like it has stakes. And also, I have to give credit. I think Naomi's a great character. We have introduced a lot of characters, you know, that didn't go over, and I think she fits in really well and makes a nice focal point for the whole thing. She's the Kyle Rayner of this. She uh, needs a superhero name. Give her a yeah, superhero. Yeah, that's true. I actually kept thinking when I was trying to talk to her, I went back and I'm like, oh, she doesn't have one. She's just Naomi, which, whatever, that's fine. But um, whatever they give a her as a superhero name, it's going to be stupid. Oh, yeah. It's going to be like like uh, like a solar light. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Like, it's... No, no, the... the these teams always need that character, and that's yeah. been rough because look, Bendis himself broke it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the teams, the your Avengers, your Justice Leagues used to be a mix of A, B, and C level characters, and now and then Bendis introduces new Avengers, which is all uh, the heavy. Morrison, I'm sorry, Morrison, Shale. you're right. Morrison broke it, but but then Bendis mainstreamed it with yeah, I think you're right. Avengers, where Morrison put all the heavy hitters. Well, he didn't because he had Kyle Rayner, but Kyle Rayner was Green Lantern. Yeah, uh, on the Justice League in the '90s. And then in the early 2000s, New Avengers takes a team that's not even full of your traditional Avengers, but it's just the top people in Marvel, you know, you're Spider-Man and Wolverine type characters. And so now, ever since that point, it's basically these teams have almost always been, you know, look at Avengers now. It's all the heavy hitters from the movies are in it. There's no, you know, Star Fox is never going to be an Avenger again, you know. And so well, it's nice to have a character. Over in that like, book, he found uh, Jason Aaron, and we're not loving that. He found a way to get a bunch of people in there. So you got they're all, Gorilla Man is in the is in the building. Gorilla so, Man's not a member of the team, though. I know, but he's part of the story. Just, uh, so, but here you have Naomi, who is now back to that sort of idea of a new character on the scene who's young and is new to the to the superhero game, and is your eyes and ears to the team. I like. I mean, this is a fun book. And her her uh, her story is interesting. It's very similar to Miles Morales. Now that I think about it, but um, in terms of like switching universes that you're in and coming over, they've kind of forgotten about that. But um, they have, haven't they? Yes, which is fine. They should have. I don't want that story. Although in over in um, in the Miles Morales Spider Man book, the big bad is the Miles Morales who is originally from that Earth, who's mm-hmm. pissed off. So they have and they haven't. Um, yeah, but either way, you know, for the first time in a long time, I look forward to a Justice League book and then I get 18 pages into it and I'm like, oh, I wish there was more of this book. (laughs) Like it ends abruptly because, because you think I've got this long with it, you know, just, you know, years and years of training is like, well, it's going to 
be this long. And I guess it's 18, 20 pages. So, I mean, that's sort of a normal comic it's, book it's, length. It's sort of normal length. All, all the books with backup stories are normal length. Yeah. I still, I want, but I want more of it. And I think, or I want the backup story to be related to the thing that I am reading, you know, in a way that, that I, it continues the story for me over in a corner. And I, I just want this, this backup to be over. Listen, John Constantine's in both of them. That's your cross. That's your connection. He's babysitting the parents and in, in the other one. I don't. I, I. You know what? Get him the fuck away from the Justice League. <laughs> Seriously, there's no need for that. He's in Justice League Dark. Nope. They need to just forget that ever happened. Justice League Dark to me is. That's what the backup is. I understand. They're making a movie or a TV show or something out of it. Wow, that's a shocker. It will probably suck. Go, go on. <laughs> uh, let's take a quick break here and talk about how you can help support the show we are listener supported that's the way that the world works in terms of media like this and we do appreciate everyone who does that over the past years our patrons over at patreon.com slash ifanboy have unlocked features like the patron pick the talk explodes the book explodes the media explodes our old youtube content being put up on, our old show being put up on youtube all that's been unlocked by the patrons they, they get their monthly hangout as well and that's been a lot of fun all those things they've done have added to the tapestry that is iFanboy. And we all, everyone benefits from it. We benefit too. We enjoy doing all those things. We added a new stretch goal. We told you about it last week. We changed up things. It's been over a year. No one wanted the G.I. Joe show. That's fine. We don't feel offended by it. We, it would have been we really hard. We weren't entirely sure we wanted it. <laughs> it would have been really hard to schedule, if we're honest. So we have a new stretch goal. If we hit our next stretch goal on patreon.com slash iFanboy, we will add comic book tv show special editions to our roster of shows it's our number one request hey you guys gonna do show on the show the flash or what some other show that's come out lately the only thing we did was invincible we had an overwhelming amount of people ask us for it we were all interested in talking about it that's kind of a taste yeah that's kind of a taste that's what we'll do is if we get if we get to this next stretch goal what will happen is after the season wraps on a show that we are already watching we'll do a special edition show about it we won't cover those shows every week, but we'll do a wrap-up for the season, like we did for Invincible, which, by the way, our most popular special edition show in a long time. Hmm. So clearly there's a there's an interest. But there's a ton of TV shows out there based on comic books. There's more coming out all the time. We're not going to cover them all, but we will cover the ones we're already interested in watching and uh, talk about it. So if you want to hear those shows, patreon.com slash ifanboy. Patrons also enjoy the patron Facebook group and the patron Discord server. Both terrific communities, which we really enjoy. And uh, think about becoming a patron today. Also, ifanboy.threadless.com is where we can find our t-shirts. We have a new shirt. We told you about it last week. We told you last week we were going to be adding two new shirts. We added one because the second one had to go back. We had some notes on the design. But we have our fanboy logo, our Herm Pickley podcast ratings. If one is electro, GDAT, nothing makes sense, nothing matters. Stay home and read comics. And our new old shirt because it is a new shirt in the store, but it's an old design. Old-time listeners will re- remember it. It's the Power Responsibility shirt. It's one of my favorite designs we've ever done. Yeah, you can find that over at fm.threadless.com. And like I said, we have another design that's almost ready. And then we have two more designs we're working on. So hopefully, by the end of the year, we will have added four new shirts to the, to the, to the store. So one is in there now. Three will be coming soon. Of course... Fmo.com slash support. That's where the PayPal tip jar is. If you feel like just dropping a quarter in the tip jar and requesting a song, play Freebird. That's where you do it. And Fmo.com slash Amazon. That's where you can find all the books 
that we've talked about in the book explode. I just updated the page to add a Stanley book. Would you like to know how much personal control I just exerted by not turning around, grabbing my acoustic guitar and a slide <laughs> and playing Freebird? Because I could. I just, I just need you to know that. It would have been <laughs> a disaster for the show. But Well, listen, no one actually requested it. It was just an example. I know. If but... someone drops a tip in the tip jar and says, Josh, play Freebird, then we can talk about it. But thanks to everyone who supports the show. We, we, the appreciation we feel is, is deep and abiding. And uh, you, you have no idea whenever someone decides to support the show. We, we, we feel so much um, humble energy that we, we want to make the show and the experience good for everybody. Because and then that, this so. happens. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. Let's talk about X-Men 2. I'm Jerry Duggan and Pepe Larraz. Issue one was pick of the week. I came into this and I thought, oh, I liked that last issue. That was great. And I got to the end of this and I thought, every X-Men book I've ever fucking read. I lost track of it completely. It was a bunch of X-Men shit that I don't know about. And it was such a bummer. I wanted to be with the X-Men I knew in the park. And I spent all this time with aliens and a bunch of characters I don't know. And then they fought a big monster again, just like they did in the last issue. And I was I was really disappointed. Looked gorgeous. This looks so good. Pepe Larraz and uh, yeah. uh, uh, Marta Gracia. You know, great looking book. Great, but great, yeah, yeah. I, yeah it, it, I agree. I don't. I, I I can hang on a bit longer than you only because I've been reading more of these books than yeah. the Hickman era. But yeah, I was disappointed to see. That I, my least favorite part of these, this particular X Men is the alien st- world stuff, and so I'm like, oh, go away. But there were bits I really liked. I loved Gambit's secret poker game yeah. in the treehouse, like with Black Cat and Thing and Rhino. I love that Rhino drawing. It's a great Rhino drawing. He's normal size and his his horn is giant. I'm going to it, but yeah, so, I, you know that stuff H3 that was like Jupiter. exist in the world that we know, yeah. you know, and is, uh. You know, the, the characters we know, it's, I don't know. I don't know if that's just old man cranky, but it's, it's just, you know, no, I just, I've never really been into the alien side of the X-Men. Well, so, mean, like, they, we turned the page and it's like, now we're on Game World. And I went, oh, no. Yeah. I and mean, so, the, the idea of, like, how they interact with humans, you know, and, and that sort of the politic of that is kind of interesting without all those other things. But also, there's I, other books where all that stuff's happening. It is interesting to me, though, because so what happens here is the game world is where like it's like a crazy casino world. And they're going to they're going to bet on. And also there's OK, two things. Wasn't they're that gonna Jeff Goldblum's thing in, in uh, Ragnarok? He's game master. It's different. Yeah, OK. There's, there's, a, there's several characters that do that. But in game world, they're going to bet on various attacks on the earth and how they'll play out. Two things. One, they exist in like a black hole. Isn't that right? So oh, something, yeah. So there's some relativity at play. There's some relativistic love, effect, yeah. Which I was like, Josh might like that. I know. And then it. they, the thing that they unleashed on Earth was the Annihilation Wave, which is from one of your favorite Marvel books of the of the modern era, right. from Nova and. So did that take Guardians place in, in like the past, or is there, I was like, there's because I, I remember that, and I thought, is there a second Annihilation Wave? No, they've, they've they've unleashed a new Annihilation Wave. Oh, that they took. They took the basically. It's almost like very meta. Like we're going to unleash past crises on the Marvel universe hmm. and see what happens. And so here they stop the X and stop the annihilation wave. Right. So I didn't dislike it. I didn't dislike it. I just didn't like it as much as the first one. 
but you get what I'm saying. For you, absolutely. I just want I want an X Men book I can I can get with. It happens every once in a while. The X Men book, uh, X Men Academy. That book was great. The Wolverine and X Men. Yeah. Or Wolverine and, and whatever that was. Whatever it was. Yeah, the school. Jason Aaron. Mm-hmm. Uh, good stuff. I liked it. I didn't love it though. Uh, Lucky Devil number one over at Dark Horse. This is a new horror series. Uh, with story by Cullen Bunn. Uh, who is uh, the uh, horror guy? Like that's his thing, uh, and art by Fran Galan and of and letters by El Torres. Um, I was looking for a thing to add, and I thought, all right, I'm going to read uh, what is ostensibly a horror book, and this book was sort of uh, part falling down and part uh, a devil possession, and it was kind of interesting. It's not my favorite kind of thing, but I really liked the art a lot. Um, actually, you, this isn't far off from the kind of art you might see on a Scotty Young pen book if they found a guy right. like this and, and, and like a little um, Ramos in there. And there's a dude and his life sucks and he goes into his office and nobody respects him and blah, blah, blah. And he gets possessed by a demon and he mm-hmm. kills a bunch of people. And now they respect me. Kind of. Then he goes and gets the demon exercised but it turns out that he still has all of the power within him. And so all the guilt and stuff that he had, it's a little like a, it's, it's like a dark comedy kind of thing, really more than I'm describing it. Um, within you the whole time. Yeah. So he can, you know, he literally goes into a, a, a fast food place, you know, and has a moment where he doesn't have enough money for the thing. And someone yells at him and he's like, I thought I was cured, but he can feel the power coming up, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of fun. If you like this kind of book, this demon possession stuff, uh, you know, the, it is, it is about, I mean, like it's about a, a meek white man who's unhappy with his existence, which is not a genre that's in favor as much as it used to be. Um, but it was well done. The art was fantastic. Uh, it was suitably icky and gross in the ways that it's supposed to be uh, for those kind of horror books. And I, I did not mind that I read it, but it's, it's, it's still not my thing. Silk number five, the final issue of the miniseries that I'm glad you turned me on to because I've, I've enjoyed this. Yeah. Ringu, Takeshi Miyazawa on the team behind it. And uh, I might have slightly lost the thread on who they were fighting and why, but yes, I like Silk a lot. And, and her, her the art's terrific. Takeshi Miyazawa's great. Yeah, it's beautiful. And, yeah. and also Silk's love hate frenemyship with yes. uh silvermane's daughter was very compelling because you yes, know if they were gonna the fight end, or when kiss it, when, yeah when they were fighting together and you know the silk does this, the superhero thing where she's got the rules like you we can do this but you can't you know hurt yeah. or really hurt or kill anybody and she's and silvermane's daughter's like oh, yeah okay and then it totally breaks those rules mm-hmm. um it was this was this whole series was good i loved J. Jonah jameson bit i liked you know, Silk's, she's a person that, I don't really understand her. She's a, she was in a, living in a bunker, so she's sort of like uh, uh, out of time, out of step with the times. Mm-hmm. You know, they call her analog at work because she has, you know, she doesn't know anything about digital stuff. I think that's good. It was, it was a fun little mini. It was like Marvel, but not, not cliche Marvel. Like, there was something about it that was a little different. Go um, to um, page five on I a will. digital reader. I will. So if she needs help, she calls Spider-Man. Spider-Man's like, I'm too busy. Answers his uh, phone. Fighting, answers, fighting answers what looks like FaceTime. No, he's, he's texting her. 
Yeah, well. Because she says, don't text and fight. Right. That's is that I'm Mockingbird talking. underneath him? I think it might be. God damn it. These costumes are fucking terrible. Yeah, I think that is Mockingbird, who also answers texts while she's... These people are... These people are like the people who take a vacation and then stay on their email for work. Right. That's what these... But at least in the case of the superheroes, like, that's fine. I understand that, but... This is a, this is a fun book. Mm-hmm. This is another one of those books... I think it was Ryan and I talking on the show that you were out a couple of weeks ago where there's so much fun on the edges in these miniseries at Marvel. There's a lot of fun to be had. And this is one of those books. That's fun. Excelente. You did not read Not All Robots, number one, from Mark Russell and, strangely, Mike Diodato Jr. So... What's sad about this is that, A, you warned me about it, and I said, cool, and B, I went through, you know, like the available uh, uh, indie comics, you know, that, that is the last bit of the Diamond previews, and I must have just missed it, because I went through them, like, I, I really make a point to do that now, so I mean, now you thing get to like, tell me. Say on Monday, I, hey, don't miss, there's a new Arc Wars book, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, who so, knows what else was going on at that moment? There's fires everywhere, Connor. Literally yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. and figuratively. AWA is the publisher. Yep. This Mark the... Russell, Mike Diodato Jr. And I'm kind of bummed. Well, not kind of bummed. I'm definitely bummed you didn't read it because I'm not sure if I liked this or not. Oh, I was hoping you would tell me to go grab it. So now I have I to. I think you should. I think you should I will. grab it. I will. I will. I will. I I'll do it right now. I think this is a five-issue miniseries as well. And... My, I think my problem was there's too many ideas being explored here. Sure. So the, the conceit of this world is in the future, every family has a robot. And the robots do all the labor. But they get paid, and then they just give the money to their family, and the family lives a life of leisure. Okay. This, and is, not, this is not an unfamiliar conceit. This is A, this, this robot, and then B, there's a slavery thing going on there. Right. So it's an it's interesting look at automation. You know, like, what is it going to mean in the future? What is, what does Which, it mean when? Also, he, when the he robots touched on this the with the ships? he touched on this with the elephant vacuum, way back right. in the Flintstones. So, what happens when the robots become the working stiffs and they hate their jobs and they don't want to talk about it when they come home with their family who's been hanging out all day? You know, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a funny joke up earlier tonight: emotional manipulation algorithm number forty nine picked up the seventh Oscar for best picture. So, like, <laughs> what does it mean when the, when all the labor is done by robots? Well, that's why but you then, don't do AI. It's, it's not... In his, in his essay, which I, I read because I, I wanted to see because I didn't love it. I wanted to figure out why. He said, this, this book's all about toxic masculinity. And I was like, it is? <laughs> <laughs> this, I'm telling you, they're telling us too much. The, te- the text page has to stop. We have to stop expecting to look behind the curtain and get an explanation for everything. It is bad for art. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Let art stand its own. Yes. I mean, maybe later it'll be interesting to read about it, but like this constant, like at the end of every chapter, having somebody explain to you where they were, what they were thinking, why, come on. Like, it's I mean, isn't honestly, rocket science. This is part of the reason why. A long time ago, I stopped watching the commentaries on Blu-rays, DVDs. You know, for a long time, it was the thing to do. It was part mm-hmm. of the reason why you bought bought them. And after a while, I was like, I don't, I don't know if I want every movie to to. And I'm someone who loves reading like the IMDb trivia page and everything. Yeah. But like, 
I don't know if I need every piece of art dissected by the creator every time. Uh, that's what I'll, started to, started I would to feel also like, like to point out that we did a show called Goodfellas Minute. <laughs> but we're not the creators, though. No, that's true. What I'm saying, I don't need, I don't need Scorsese to do Goodfellas Minute. I am reading, I am reading I a book listen. about the making of Goodfellas. I would listen to that. But again, it's different than yes. it being written by the person and as it's coming at, out. At the, yeah, no, I think that's the key. It's at the time as it comes out. It's not even at the end of the thing. It's at the end of a chapter. So right. at HBO, I don't think they do it anymore. But I remember during Watchmen, perhaps during Chernobyl. The podcast. They did yes, the podcast. But, but they used to also do, uh, there would be like a little featurette that showed after the episode. I think they did it for Game of Thrones. Yeah, um, usually for their big shows, they gotta they gotta stretch that out. And, and I didn't watch that part, but at the same time, though, I really enjoyed those podcasts for those other shows. I'm not saying I'm not saying I, they're not they can't be yeah. good. They they can obviously be good, but I just yeah. it feels like we're we're yes. constantly in the moment analyzing everything that's happening, and it's just like I can't I can't do it. I just gotta enjoy it sometimes. Anyway, the point is, mm-hmm. I don't feel as strongly about that as you do, but I also was like I don't understand what you're telling me right now, Mark Russell, because that's not the book I just read. So. Right. Well, now I'll it was, read it knowing both of those things. It was it was probably my least favorite of his recent works, but he does have I'm a way of of focusing and picking up and and turning in something at the end that is better than it seemed in the beginning. I just feel like there's the story. Uh, the story I thought I was reading is much more interesting than you know, like what is what is the future going to be like? What is the future we want, we want it to be with mm-hmm. with robots and AI and automation? But how was Diodato on that? It was a bizarre choice. Yes, I not a bad choice. Not mm-hmm. a bad choice because he can draw robots, and it's just I was never expecting Mike Diodato Jr. to be on a Mark Russell independent comic. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, a, he wow. left. He left Marvel to do this. I guess so. I mean, not this book, but to work at AWA. Like that was the. He's like, I remember it was the point where he's like, "Well, see you later, Marvel," and uh, and to do this, but this is because this place is run by. Um, uh, Excellent. Um, Axel and um, the publisher from the early 2000s, whose name Jemis? is... Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's, mm. it's Axel and Jemis. And so a lot of the guys who came along and were shepherded in that sort of 2000s era, so Diodato is one of those. He showed up on those, uh, those very same Avengers books uh, that yep. we were talking about with Bendis. And I think Straczynski is involved with that stuff. Like, it's people from that era uh, involved with it. And, those, you know, they have allegiances to the people running that and, and, you know, relationships. So I think that those are a lot of names that you see there. So those are the books we want to talk about. But at patreon.com slash ifanboy, you can vote to add a book to the rundown. Every patron votes to add a book to the rundown. This week, the winner was The Me You Love in the Dark, number one, which we already talked about. But let's do ratings on it, Josh. Ratings. ratings. On the Me You Love in the Dark number one out of five, I'm giving it 4.37. Literally, I was like 4.25 is too low, 4.5 is maybe too high. Yeah, four and, a, four and, three quor- four and one-third stars. So sticking with it, yes. Yes, absolutely. Patreon.com slash In fact, it would, it would have to really fall off a cliff for me to not say right now I'm going to finish the miniseries. Like oh, it, for sure. Imagine how bad it would have to be at issue three for me to not finish. Oh, yeah. No. It seems impossible. Like, like oh, this is a book about eugenics. And even then. <laughs> kind of, well, where are you going with this? <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's you can vote that book the rundown. I'm going to give the $5 a high level and get your superpower live on the show from us. And this week we thank Jason Zeman. I hope that's pronounced correctly. 
Jason can fly, but only if he puts on a cape. That's fair. And the cape, the cape, it can be like a real cape, or it could be like he puts a blanket tie, or a towel, ties it around his neck. He's got to have some sort of cape-like What about system. like a Victorian then, capelet? Yeah. Okay. Capelet, for sure. But the other thing is like he's not like a supersonic fly. He can fly about as fast as, you, you know, he could. It's, it's like walking. He, it's like he can fly like at walking speed. And if he really turns it up, he can fly at running speed, but he can only fly for a little while until he gets tired. Right. Just like running. What if he's like at Red Lobster and he turns the bib around in a jam? That, that there you better work as well. Okay, just making sure. Yeah, as long as there's a cape. And so the, the the flight power is not related to the relative radness of the cape. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. So there you go. Yep. Aaron Miller, heir to the Henry, <laughs> to the Herman Miller chair empire. Um, Aaron Miller. Wheels are his thing. Wheels are his thing. Wheels are his thing. So that's okay. that's his thing. Wheels wheels are his what thing. What does that mean? You know, it's hard to say, but when shit goes wrong, he does stuff with wheels. They're his thing. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> what does that mean? They're, they're his thing. He does Wheels are wheels are his thing. Yeah. Listen, I don't I'm 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 a vessel. Uh-huh. Here's what I know that is I know that wheels are his thing. Can you give me an example of his power in, mo- in action? All right. Like, say that uh, there's, there's some dirty deeds going down, and he happens to be across the street from uh, a, a tire repair place. Yeah. Some shit goes down. He looks, he's looking for wheels, because those are his thing. And, and he... Can he throw them? Throws them, rolls them, manipulates them creates uh devices with wheels i see there's thing i get you now i mean it's hard to say but whatever it is whatever he's gonna do it's going to involve wheels so (laughs) i will not use this concept again but it really made me laugh when i wrote it down you could conceivably what movie was that where they somebody threw a bunch of tires and they all landed on the guy at the same time sure and they trapped him i feel like there needs to be rolling Involved. I can picture it, but I'm not sure. He can knock somebody down by rolling a wheel at him. Yeah, or like a thing, you know, like a device that you know, it's wheels and they they work like a pulley system, and something falls, you know. That wheels are his milieu. It's his thing. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew Killian is the highlighter. He can just tell you what is the most important thing in that book, or. On the show or in the game. I'll just give you the highlights. He just highlight, get, he's the highlight. Just get to it. Oh, he'd be yeah. an excellent ESPN producer. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> look, look, let's not waste your time. Here's the, here's the more, most important parts. He's the chase cutter. <laughs> <laughs> Summaries are his thing. Mm-hmm. Jay Batsner. Uh, can summon and create tiny tornadoes. Oh. Little, no higher than six-inch tornadoes to do the things that he's trying to accomplish. It may take some creativity on his part. It may be that some jobs are out of reach for his tiny tornadoes, but he has them. I think that you could really clean a place up if you had control over tiny tornadoes. Sure. Like the dusting, you know, of, of, of areas that are tough to get to. 
they have all the relative speed and power and force of of a of a large tornado, but they are um, incremental as related to their size. They are they're proportional. Sure. Proportional size. Yes, yeah. proportional size tiny tomatoes. Tornadoes. Tomatoes is next week. <laughs> <laughs> Writing that down. Control of tomatoes. So Jason, Aaron, Matthew, and Jay, thanks for being patrons. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Thanks for your support. <clears throat> what do you want to do, boss? Where are we at? Okay, well, uh, let's read the first one. Go for it. Well, here's the thing. I have another email that's not on your list that I really? think is appropriate to what we talked about earlier. So I've, I'm throwing an audible at you. I'm, I'm fine with that. I like that. This email is from Scott H. from Portland, Oregon. Scott's a frequent emailer on the show. Scott says, I've been thinking about this since my first piece of Scotty Young art. Scotty appears to be working almost exclusively as a writer. I wish him the best and have loved most of the work, but I really miss his interior art. Can you think of other top-tier artists like Scotty who transitioned almost exclusively into writing? Also, do you get a little pang from not getting to see their interior artwork as often or at all in some cases? It's a really good question. I can think of a lot of people who you know as writers who were artists. Right, but not like top tier. Yeah, that's tougher. I can think of it's a lot of... It's more likely they'll just, they'll, they just move to cover work. Right, I was going to... I can artists. think of a lot of top tier artists who don't do interiors anymore. A lot of them. You know, like, a, like a Frank Cho or um, Adam... Adam... Adam West? Nope. Arthur nope. Adam. Ar- well, no. Uh, uh, we met him. Adam, he talked... Adam, Adam Hughes... Adam Hughes. Adam Hughes is another one. There's, there's many, many He will occasionally do a, a one issue here and there, but yeah, for the most part. And I can think of a lot of artists who were okay or pretty good who became writers, and that's their job. Bendis, Jeff Parker, Rick Remender, Bill Willingham, okay. Alan Moore. I, I mean, like, it's, it's a huge list of people. But, but I, I can't think, I'm trying to think of, like, an A-lister, who Scott, which Scotty was, you know. Yes, I can't think of an A-list artist who just transitioned to. I mean, there may be one out there, and someone's shouting at their device right now. But it's tough. Um, it's an unusual case uh, track he's taken. And I like I remember he and he like he did the work. It wasn't like he came in like he could have drawn any book he'd asked for at a certain point. You remember that Rocket Raccoon thing? You know that he wrote and drew. That's three hundred thousand copies. Like he was at the like he. He's a guy that if he released a book with his interior art, he'd he'd move copies. Well, Marvel would do entire variant yeah. cover on space in his art. Right. You know, like There's stickers. Baby. I see people with with baby uh, Deadpool stickers, and I'm like, I know him. You know, yeah, like stickers, stickers, and there's a whole line yeah. of statues from General Giant of his baby X Men. Like, there's a whole it's a cottage industry of his art. So, and there's there's almost first of all, there's almost no one who's had his like art career. It's a very no, unusual no. career he's had. It's true, but. Um, but you know, but the in a way, it like, makes sense. He's one of those guys who who broke the mold and then stops drawing. He, but he, I want to say, is he did the work to do the writing. Like he did little series. He did stuff. Like he, he didn't just get handed the reins to something. Like it's a. He's been doing this. A, like the writing part's going on for a long time. I want to say the first one was that it was a Magneto book drawn by Clay Mann a while ago, and he was okay. He did pretty good. And then you know, eventually he got to do Deadpool, and then he started doing. Um, you know, a bunch of indie series on his own, and now he's doing Strange Academy. I don't even think of that. Like, it's just a great Marvel book. Yeah. Um, he's really come around the other way, which is really interesting. But at the same time, you'll notice that he is, he's doing what I think is a smart thing, is that he's, he's writing his own path. Like, he's not getting involved 
in the big shit that's going on. You know, like he didn't have to do the the plant invasion army thing. You know, he's not that part of the mainstream. He's he's doing his thing with his voice, which I think is really smart, if, especially if you can make it work. God, I'm trying, I'm just I'm still racking my brain for yeah, somebody. It's really tough. I bet there are people. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of guys from like the Silver Age could kind of do both. Like you know, sure. I mean, Neil Adams is still plugging away. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know. It's a tough one. I. I don't think so, though. I don't know that anyone's made that. No one's jumping out at me as like, this was one of the most successful artists in comics who has completely stopped. I mean, you know, he still sketches and draws. He follows Instagram or whatever. He's still drawing all the time, but it's not for right comics. Um. It's interesting. Do I miss his interior art? And here's the thing. I do, but I don't. He, the books that he drew the interiors of were not my favorite books a lot of times because they Mm -hmm. weren't, like, and I've read The Wizard of Oz stuff and it's beautiful and and it's totally great, but he wasn't really drawing the kinds of books that I like the most, if that makes sense. Like the people that they put him with, the kinds of stories. Um, They really like his art. And it's it's unlike anybody. I mean, it's kind of like Humberto Ramos, but there's, there's no mistaking his art. And I almost wonder if what he's doing now puts more into the world of comics than just drawing somebody else's stories. He's drawing his own stories too. Yeah, I know, but but that wasn't as often. And you know, sort of the big, the long things that he what did he do? Cable forever or Cable and Deadpool? No, what was it? There was some X Men book that he was on because I would and read that at the time. Is a, there was those X-Men books that he would do. There was Wizard of Oz, which was like his dream thing. And it was great all the way through. And, and I've read it many times with my kids. Uh, and then after that, I don't really remember. There was the Rocket Raccoon he did the first four issues of. Other than that, like, what was it? Um, well, you know, he, he, like a lot of people, transitioned to doing a lot of covers. Yep. And I think that... I think that that makes his presence known more than the interiors of the books that I wasn't really reading. Right. Well, it gets out, it gets out there in front of more people. Yep. Like quite literally. I mean, like he can do storytelling, but also he's like, I, th- I think his, his talent as an artist really works well in that cover format or the single panel gag thing. He's mm-hmm. really good at that in telling, if you look at his sort of daily sketches that show up on Instagram, like he can do a lot in one panel. He can communicate a joke, yes. emotion. He's great at what? Single image. He's a, he's a classic cartoonist in that sense. Yeah, he is. And while he's good at interiors, maybe he understands this. Maybe, like, I can do it. It's fine. But, like, that's he can tell this. So he gets to tell a story by doing writing. And then he gets to do cartooning by doing all the different cartoony stuff he does. And maybe that's enough. Like, maybe... I, I mean, I, it doesn't really matter about what, you know... But I feel like I'm getting enough out of him creatively between those things that I don't feel like... It's not like he's disappeared. Like, when a guy just goes to doing covers all the time, you know, it, a lot of times it feels like they disappeared. Mm-hmm. You know, like, why is this, guy, this guy doesn't do comics anymore. And he's like, I'm doing these covers constantly. But it's not the same. Scotty hasn't disappeared. He's still got the covers. You still see his art around. I love seeing his sketches all the time. I mean, I'm not the only one, obviously. So it's present in that. He's doing it. You know, but he's also doing all these other, he's making great stories, which is, you know, the part of it. He's lucky he gets to do that. Right. It's, it's interesting. He's, a, he's such a unique career 
Yeah. I mean, but if you were to like, ask me, like, would you rather read a story that he is drawing that somebody else is writing or a new story that he came up with in writing? I think I'd probably say the latter. And I think that's unusual. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I'd say the form. I'd say, no, I'd say the art because I'm, you know, I love his art so much. But, right. Fair enough. But, I, you know, I've, enjoy, I've been enjoying his books that he's been writing quite a bit. Well, there you go. Thanks, Scott. That was a, that was a good audible, Connor. Contact at fanboy.com. That's where you can write in. If you want to be writing in for the Media Explode, please put Media Explode in the title of the email. Thank you very much. We have a bunch of other shows to plug. We had our special edition Black Widow discussion. We had our special edition Batman Along Halloween Part 1 discussion. And we had our Media Explode mailbag show, in which we answered a whole bunch of those emails we just mentioned. Uh, so those are all behind this one somewhere in the feed. Those are our most recent special edition shows. We have a bunch more coming up. Some point in the next week or so, we'll have a Suicide Squad special edition. Some point in the next week or so, we'll have a Batman Long Halloween Part 2 discussion because they put them out back to back, which is strange. <laughs> and then some point this month, we'll have our books blowed on True Believer, The Rise and Fall of Stanley by Abraham Reisman. And that's we've been talking about that for a while because it's a prose book. It's our first ever prose book. I blowed. hope that you've had time to finish it because I think they'll have many, not you, I know you have, but the, the <laughs> listener you, the royal you. Um, mm -hmm. as I think it will be more instructive if you have read it, but I also believe that you will be able to follow along if you have not, but I think you should read it if you, if you're interested at all in comic book history, I think it's, yeah. So that's coming up this month overdue and late is last month's talks blood. Listen, working on it. You've seen the conversations that are happening. I'm, I know uh, what you're working on. I'm on, a, working I'm on a dry streak right now is what's happening. I actually really, I have a plan for the next one that I don't want to waste for this one because of timing. Sure, yeah. Uh, and then also I've just had some, uh, had some in the, in the industry, we call this dry clicking. Yeah, I am. I'm dry clicking. <laughs> <laughs> and then I wanted to plug something personal. Uh, my day job, I just uh, launched a thing I've been working on for the last year. It's a Batman app it's called DC Batman Bat Tech Edition. It's for kids. I want to make that clear. It's made for kids. It's not wink, wink. It's for kids like like most of the stuff is. No, it's for kids. And it's a AR app all about uh, Batman as technology. There is a story element, an AR story, but there's games and there's fun things that kids like, like stickers and filters. And there's, there's actually a comic series that's in there that is uh, exclusive to the app that will eventually be published in stores. But... Um, and there's, you can watch the Batman YouTube videos. It's a, it's a, your one-stop shop for Batman, uh, in app form on your mobile device for kids. It's meant for, it's meant for like eight to 12 year olds, but there's fun stuff in there. If you're an adult, you can check it out. Uh, so you can search for Batman, DC Batman, Bat Tech edition, uh, on iOS or Android. Uh, the honest, the easiest thing to do is just type in bat, bat dash tech and you'll find it right away. And, uh, Really proud of it. Just been work, working on it. a team of people working on it for about a year, and, uh, and you we're did very all the coding. You did most. I, was, of I did all the coding. Yeah, did all of. I it. mean, I did everything. I mean, that's that's yeah, what you really do. Here's the thing: no affiliation with DC whatsoever. He just did it on his own, and they were like, "This is so <laughs> right, good. We give you our blessing." And they they there's a little bat wand they have. A lot of people don't know about the bat wand. We were in the yeah. DC offices once when we saw the bat wand, and uh, yeah. and they blessed it. They uh, tap you on the shoulder, yeah. and then. And then, and so, uh, so that's DC Batman, Batman, DC Batman Bat Tech Edition. And uh, check it out if you have kids or if you're a kid at heart. Uh, it's really fun. And uh, hopefully in success, we have some more. We have some more ideas. So uh, thanks for checking that out if you did. Get over to ifanboy.com. 
to find all of the shows that we have done, our history of comic book writing uh, from all the writers that we had worked for us, uh, search, go, go there, here's, go there and search top five, or just actually go to Google and type iFanboy top five, and you'll find many of the dumbest things we ever did. <laughs> Those are some of my favorite three oh, panic. Yep. Yep. Articles. Uh, you can actually, uh, there was an, like, you can search, if you go search any of the stuff that Jeff Reed did, these histories of DC. The histories? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. Brilliant. Literally, literally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really great stuff. You, sh- you should, you know, check those out. There's many things. Uh, go to facebook.com slash iFanboy or at iFanboy on Twitter or at iFanboy Comics on Instagram. You'll find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out if you'd like to be prepared to listen. You need to be prepared. We don't. I don't know if you need to be prepared. Enough people have told me that they read, that they listen to the show, and don't read the comics anymore. That I don't think I worry about it very much. But uh, I, I probably makes it better. You can follow us on Instagram at CS Kilpatrick and J A Flanagan. You can search our YouTube page uh, at YouTube.com/slash/ifanboy as we upload, uh, re-upload old shows. And boy, old keeps getting older, doesn't it? This past week yeah. we have comics for a rainy day, and I believe I saw you. In the screen, me and Ron, it was Ron and I yeah. together. That's nice. It was raining, uh-huh. and we just we pulled out a couple of trades and said, "Hey, it's raining. Here's something things you could read." Mm-hmm. And uh, much like the 3 a.m. panic, of the top five article. <laughs> that was a good time for that <laughs> stuff. Uh, the next show is a comic or a Captain America show. I'm assuming we were somewhere near the release of the movie, or Captain I guess America that's when the movie shot. was coming out. I don't know if we were doing it. I don't remember. It must have been the movie. That's what we were timing toward towards last time. No, because that was 09, actually. I looked it up. And that movie was. I don't know why we did Captain America. Mm, Maybe he had just come back to life. Oh, maybe. That sounds more like it. Uh, And then there's. It was our first show back from our first hiatus, and we did a lot of jokey bits on that show. It was funny. funny. I didn't remember doing that at all. And then the 2009 Holiday Gift Guide. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that most of the books in that Holiday Gift Guide are probably as good or better than anything you could buy at this holiday season that's coming up. Well, it was a fertile time. It was. That's what I'm getting at. Let me really quickly. No, I can't find it fast. Doesn't matter right now. But you go check that out. Those are good. Those holiday gift guards guides are kind of evergreen in a way. I think. Oh yeah, definitely. And the thing is, oh, go ahead. And in fact, like those kind of things are probably almost more useful because they're books that sort of have gotten left behind and forgotten. And it's it's. I'm sure there's things that even I would be like, oh right, I want. You know, I hadn't thought about that in a while. Uh, A good refresher course on on great stuff that came out that year. Yeah, in fact, I can tell you right now, while you've been talking, I've been pulling it up as it loads. Come on, load. Here we go. So we had... Oh, sorry. This is the wrong show. This is okay, we're going to move along. If you... <laughs> the, book, the book of the year show, which is going to come out next in a couple of weeks. I went too far. I went too far. Oh, here it is. You know, one thing I did do is I'm back of the back of the napkin math, and I think we'll be done uploading the regular shows around... January or February. Huh. But the mini, the minis, since we're only doing one mini a week, it's, it's going to be longer. But the gift guide, it featured Absolute Promethea, Tom Strong Deluxe Edition, Absolute V for Vendetta, Fables Deluxe Hardcover, The Essex County Trilogy, Oishinbo, Split Lip, Tank Girl, Filthy Rich, Criminal Omnibus, Awesomeology, The Wonderful World of Wizard of Oz from Scotty Young, Astonishing X-Men Omnibus, A Kidnapped Santa Claus. That's right. If you like the show, leave a review or star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. Helps people find the show, helps the algorithm. Because it's all about gaming the algorithm these days. Game it. Facet of life. But not just for our show. Every podcast you listen to will benefit if you leave a star rating or a review. It does help. 
And even better than that, it's word of mouth. When people ask, what, what about this podcast thing I've been hearing about? And you're like, okay, well, it's been, it's been 15 years. Um, but here's some shows you should listen to. One of them is my fanboy. I don't read comics. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> thanks for doing that. We appreciate it. You're our street team. They do shows about not comics sometimes, too. Check That's those true. out. That's yeah. the show for this week. Sorry, Josh. It's fine. It's fine. These, these weeks happen. That's the game. That's the game. That's the comics reviewing game. Yeah. <laughs> we was raised in this game. We're going to so, die in this game. Until next week, I am Connor. I am Josh. If heaven and hell decide that they both are satisfied, and illuminate the nose on their vacancy signs. If there's no one beside you when your soul embarks, then I'll follow you into the dark. And I'll follow you into the dark. <laughs> <laughs>